Hey there, MLB Morning Coffee listeners. Love the show? Well, now we are open to advertising opportunities. Get your name and your brand on our show daily. Email greg.maraz, that's G-R-E-G dot M-R-O-Z at yahoo.com to learn how you can be a part of this program. Advertising opportunities now available here on MLB Morning Coffee. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ah, yes, welcome to MLB Morning Coffee. Happy Sunday, everybody. What a day of baseball that we just had. My goodness gracious, it is a great time to be alive. It is a great time to be a fan of the Tampa Bay Rays, who are going back to the World Series for the first time since 2008. My name is Greg Moraz. I am your host, as always. Write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. It helps out our metrics tremendously. Also, make sure that you tell your friends to tell their friends to tell their friends about the show. It helps us out in terms of growing this product. And if you're interested in advertising with the show, you heard me at the top of the broadcast, email greg.maraz at yahoo.com. So Game 7 was upon us at Petco Park on Saturday night. A lot of people were watching college football. I don't really care about college football right now because the two conferences I care about are not playing. A lot of pressure on both the Rays and the Astros last night. Astros trying to get to their third World Series in the past four years and be the first team that has ever made the World Series with a record under 500. Of course, they're one of two teams that that have ever made the playoffs with a record under 500 in the regular season. In a 60-game season, that was way more likely to happen than in a 162-game season and also way more likely to happen in a year when we have 16 teams getting into the playoffs. So, without further ado, let's get into the game recap. Charlie Morton came out in the top of the first inning and set the Astros down. He gave up a two-out single to Michael Brantley, but then struck out Carlos Correa to end the inning. Bottom first, one on, one out, and who would come to the plate but Randy Arozarena. Brian Anderson on TBS, take it away. Has destroyed fastballs, and he hits that one into right center field. That ball is well hit. Two-run blast off of Lance McCullers to put Tampa Bay up 2 to nothing in the bottom of the first inning. Randy Rosarena, a couple of great stats on him, courtesy of our good friend Sarah Langs. He is now one hit shy of tying Derek Jeter for most hits by a rookie in a single postseason. He has 21, tied with Yuli Gurriel for second most. Derek Jeter has 22. That came in 1996 with a raise in the World Series. I imagine that that record will be broken. Rosarena's seven home runs in the postseason are the most by a rookie ever in a single postseason. Passes up 2008 rookie Ray Evan Longoria. Rosarena also is one homer shy of tying Nelson Cruz in 2011, Carlos Beltran in 2004, and Barry Bonds in 2002 with the most homers in a single postseason 
regardless of how many years you have played. So basically, he will hold the record for most homers in a single postseason if he hits two more, one more, and he will tie a three-way tie between Nelson Cruz with the 2011 Rangers, Carlos Beltran with the 2004 Astros, and Barry Bonds with the 2002 San Francisco Giants. Charlie Morton was absolutely on. After that single to Michael Brantley, he retired 14 straight batters, a 1-2-3 second, a 1-2-3 third, a 1-2-3 fourth, a 1-2-3 fifth. In the sixth inning, he walked Martin Maldonado with one out. But before we get to that point in the ball game, we go to the bottom of the second inning, and let's say hello to Mike Zanino. Full count to the Rays catcher with one away here in the second. And Zunino sends that one deep. He'll watch it fly. A long home run for Mike Zunino. He gets him again. His second off McCullers. His fourth of the postseason. And the Tampa Bay Rays up three to nothing here in the second inning. Fourth homer of the postseason for Zunino, second of the series. He had four homers in 28 regular season games. He's got four homers in 13 postseason games. His four homers are tied for the second most as a catcher in a single postseason. The only catcher with more, Sandy Alomar Jr., who had five in 1997. As we said, Charlie Morton was on cruise control and had a streak of 14 straight batters retired until he walked Martin Maldonado with one out in the sixth inning. Here's a great stat that I got from TBS, and I wanted to write it down at the time that it happened so I could recite it to you on this show. Charlie Morton's first three-ball count came in that at-bat to Martin Maldonado. Again, he did not have a single three-ball count until one out in the sixth inning. Then George Springer grounded into a force out that forced Martin Maldonado out at second. Jose Altuve then singled on an infield dribbler to Joey Wendell. So the tying run comes to the plate in the form of Michael Brantley. Nick Anderson comes into the ball game, and he's able to get Brantley to ground out. And crisis averted at that point. At that time, after Anderson got that ground out, the Rays in the postseason had only allowed two inherited runners of the 29 total to score. That's amazing. They were successful in holding 27 of 29 inherited runners in this postseason off the scoreboard and out of the run column. So very impressive right there. Moreover, the Rays end up getting an insurance run in the bottom of the sixth inning with some great fundamental baseball. G-Man Choi singles to start the inning. Willie Adamas walks, so first and second with nobody out. Pitcher at this point for Houston is Jose Urquidy. Then Joey Wendell lines out to Josh Reddick and Wright, but Choi tags up and goes to third. And then Mike Zanino with a sack fly to deep left center field. Choi scores 4-0 Tampa Bay. Another highlight that I could not find, but I feel like it is critical in order to understand the arc of this baseball game. Top of the seventh inning. One out, nobody on. Anderson still the pitcher. Alex Bregman with a single, Kyle Tucker with a single. So you've got the tying run on deck, Yuri Gurriel at the plate, and Gurriel grounds into a double play, 6-4-3 to end the inning. Now we go to the eighth inning. Anderson goes back out to the hill. 
One out, Aledmus Diaz, a pinch hitter for Martin Maldonado, walks. George Springer grounds out. That moves Diaz up to second. Then Jose Altuve with another infield dribbler. That's it for Anderson. Pete Fairbanks comes into the game. Fairbanks starts off a little bit wild. He throws a wild pitch and then walks Michael Brantley, who was the batter at the plate. A four-pitch walk, bases loaded with two out. Carlos Correa singles through the shift. That scores two runs, and it puts the tying run on base. Go-ahead run at the plate in the form of Alex Bregman, and Pete Fairbanks had to dig deep, but he got the job done. Take a listen. Earlier this series, and a swing and a miss. Bregman chased 100-mile-an-hour fastball. A clutch strikeout to say the least. Fairbanks would come back out for the ninth inning. It got a little bit rocky. Kyle Tucker struck out. Yuri Gurriel singled, Josh Reddick struck out, two gone, tying run at the plate. The batter led Miss Diaz, and we'll let you hear how it finished. Last hope for the Astros. And on the first pitch, in the air, right field. That is playable. Coming in, Margot, and that's it. The Tampa Bay Rays have won the American League pennant. The Rays are going to the World Series. Rays win 4-2. They advance to their second World Series in franchise history, their first since 2008. Charlie Morton gets the win. He was arguably pulled a lot sooner than he should have been, but Kevin Cash has made all the right moves this year. He goes five and two-thirds innings, two hits allowed, one walk, six strikeouts. He throws just 66 pitches, 48 of them strikes. The loser, Lance McCullers, he goes three and two-thirds, three earned runs on four hits, one walk, and seven strikeouts. He lost two of the four games for Houston in this series. Pete Fairbanks with the save, inning and a third, two hits, no runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Looking at the box score before we go into some of the advanced stats, Tampa had six hits, Houston had seven. G-Man Choi, a big day, two for three with a run scored and a walk. Randy Rosarena, one for four with his two-run homer. Brandon Lau goes one for four. He had a great push-bunt single going opposite the shift. Mike Zanino goes one for two with two RBI and a run scored. He had a sack fly and a solo homer. For Houston, Jose Altuve, two for four with a run scored. Carlos Correa, one for four with two RBI. The only two RBI of the ball game for Houston. Single hits for Kyle Tucker, Yuli Gurriel, Alex Bregman, and Michael Brantley. I think I already said Brantley. I can't remember. But anyway, for the Tampa Bay Rays, they have now won 63 consecutive games when they have held the lead after the seventh inning. That, to me, is awesome. A couple of other great stats taken from TBS's broadcast and from the great Sarah Langs. Charlie Morton now has four wins in winner-take-all games, which is twice as many as any other pitcher in postseason history. That is awesome. Charlie Morton is the guy you want on the mound when you need a win in a high-pressure situation. And at 36 years and 340 days old, Charlie Morton is the third oldest pitcher to get the win in a winner-take-all game start. The only other that are older, Jamie Moyer, who did it at 38 years old and 331 days in the 2001 ALDS, and in 1931, World Series Game 7, Burley Grimes did it at 38 years and 53 days old. 
The Tampa Bay Rays have scored 71.9% of their runs via the homer this postseason. It's the highest percentage for any postseason team entering a World Series appearance. The prior record was the 1971 Pirates, who had 58.3% of their runs score on homers. Randy Rosarena is your ALCS MVP. He hit 321 with four homers and six RBI in the American League Championship Series. He is the first rookie position player to ever win an LCS MVP. That is both leagues. One more here on Charlie Morton, by the way. He is the fifth pitcher in postseason history with multiple scoreless starts in winner-take-all games, joining Justin Verlander, John Smoltz, Brett Saberhagen, and Madison Bumgarner. If you add in a qualifier of at least five innings pitched, it would be him, Verlander, Smoltz, and Bumgarner. Before I get into some stats on the Astros, here is the Tampa Bay Rays lineup the last time they were in the World Series. This was 2008. This was their Game 1 lineup. Akinori Iwamura led off and played second base. Melvin Upton Jr. batted second and was in center field. First baseman, Carlos Pena, hit third. Evan Longoria was at third base. He hit cleanup. Carl Crawford hit fifth and played left field. The DH was Willie Ibar, and he hit sixth. Deano Navarro did the catching. He batted seventh. Ah, Ben Zobrist. He batted eighth and played right field. And rounding out the order was Jason Bartlett. He was the shortstop, and the starting pitcher in that ball game was Scott Kazmir. So that is a big throwback. Really funny that Jimmy Rollins was doing the postgame show for TBS who had the ALCS because Jimmy Rollins was the leadoff hitter for the Phillies in that World Series. Other guys in that lineup were Jason Wirth, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Pat Burrell, Shane Victorino, Chris Cost, and the starting pitcher was Cole Hamels. If I'm looking right at these two lineups, I believe Hamels is the only player among them that is still active. So good on you to the Tampa Bay Rays who are going to the World Series. A couple of numbers on the Houston Astros this season. And granted, small sample size, but the Astros played in more one-run games than anybody in baseball this year. 24 of them, and they had a 10-14 and 14 record. Jose Altuve hit a career-low 219. He had a 327 cumulative average his previous six seasons. The Astros also were the first team since the 1998-2001 to 2001 New York Yankees that made the ALCS four consecutive years. Also notable for Houston, they have three key free agents that they will have to make decisions on. Michael Brantley is a free agent. He came to Houston on a two-year contract. I think they'll try and keep him. Josh Reddick is a free agent. He signed a four-year deal prior to the 2017 season. I think they'll be moving on from Josh Reddick. And the most notable one here is George Springer. I think you got to re-sign George Springer. If he wants to come back, you still have to find money for Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa. I think Carlos Correa in this postseason proved that he needs to be their shortstop for the long term. So I'll be very curious in regards to what happens with George Springer. I believe he'll be the most coveted position player in the free agent market this offseason. Well, the Rays are in the World Series, and now they await their opponent. 
Game six of the NLCS took place on Saturday afternoon at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. With a win, the Atlanta Braves would move on to their first World Series since 1999 when they lost to the New York Yankees. The Dodgers, meanwhile, needed a win to keep their season alive and force a Game 7 today. Max Freed against Walker Buehler, and once again, the Dodgers got off to a very fast start. 10 RBIs right in the middle of it, and here's one into right. Down the line, it is gone. Seekers got another. 15th RBI, now one into left center field. Back is Pache off the bat of Turner. It's gone. Back to back. 2-0 Dodgers here in the first inning. Seeger, now Turner. What a start. Seeger and Turner go back-to-back to, back to give the Dodgers a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first inning. L.A. would get one more run thanks to a Cody Bellinger RBI single. Fifth homer of the series for Corey Seeger. More on that in a little bit. First homer of the series for Justin Turner. We do want to play you a very intriguing sequence because I think this set the tone for the rest of the game. So the Dodgers get out to an early lead, but Walker Bueller gets into trouble in the top of the second. Travis Darno leads off with a single, Ozzy Albies then singles, and then Dansby Swanson with a single. Bases loaded, nobody out, and here is what Walker Bueller does to get out of the jam. Ball game. Just found it. 99, and he did. Get out the ball. He was, strikes out looking. We're in Arlington. Here's a ground ball left side. Seeger with a backhand. Inning is over, and Walker Bueller, the ace of the Dodgers, gets into and out of trouble. Yeah, when that happens, you have the bases loaded, nobody out. You're expected to score, and when you don't score, things just tend to not go your way. So that's basically what happened to the Braves. And to make matters worse, they had a runner on with two out. Top of the fifth inning, a chance to get a run on the scoreboard, and Mookie Betts decided he was going to play some awesome defense. Here's a high fly ball into right. Back is Betts on the move, on the track. He's got it to end the inning. What a catch by Mookie Betts. Again, like I said, when things aren't going your way, things are not going your way. Obviously, Mookie Betts, a great play. The audio does not do it justice, but worth noting that it just was not the Braves' day today. And now, as you see them, the Dodgers win 3-1. to one. We're going to play right now the lone run of the day for Atlanta, a double from Ronald Acuna. Runner at third, one out. And a fly ball into right field. That ball is down and into the corner. In the score is Marquez digging for second and holding with an RBI double Acuna, and it's a three to one game. Very difficult though to go into this if you're an Atlanta fan and feel confident about what just happened. Walker Bueller, the winner, he went six shutout innings. He allowed seven hits, no walks, and six strikeouts. Max Fried takes the loss. He allows three runs on eight hits in six and two thirds, four walks, and five strikeouts. So I will say this, momentum shifted against the Braves early, but Max Fried was still able to pitch six and two-thirds innings, which is going to be huge going into today when they might have to go into the bullpen early. So some stats from Sarah Langs about this ball game and a couple more that are worth noting. 
Corey Seager, with his six home runs, now has the most homers by a shortstop in a single postseason. He is tied with Carlos Correa, who hit six this year. I don't know why we weren't able to figure that out earlier. And Rich Aurelia, who did it for the 2002 San Francisco Giants. Walker Bueller is the seventh pitcher in Dodgers history with a scoreless start facing elimination and the first since Jose Lima did it in Game 3 of the NLDS in 2004. The others are Oral Hershiser in 1988, that was NLCS Game 7, Jerry Roos, who did it in NLDS Game 5 in 1981, 1965, Sandy Koufax did it in Game 7 of the World Series, Clem Labine did it in Game 6 of the 1956 World Series, and Johnny Podres did it in Game 7 of the 1955 World Series, those last two were as members of the Brooklyn Dodgers, although it is the same franchise. The Dodgers are the fourth team in postseason history to hit back-to-back homers in the first inning of a game facing elimination. Each of the other three teams to do it in one game. The Cardinals did it against these very Braves in 2019's NLDS Game 4. The 2011 ALDS, the Detroit Tigers did it in Game 5. And the Arizona Diamondbacks did it in Game 4 of the 2011 NLDS. The Tigers and the Cardinals, so the first two that we mentioned, went on to win the series. So the Braves do not want to be at the back end of that for the second straight season. Corey Seager's six home runs are also the most for the Dodgers in a single postseason. His five home runs in the NLCS are tied for second most by a player in a single postseason series. Only Nelson Cruz, who we brought up earlier, had more with six in the 2011 ALCS. So those are your really good numbers for the Dodgers. Really nothing on the Atlanta Braves. For the Dodgers, Austin Barnes was the only player with multiple hits. L.A. did most of their damage in the first inning. For the Braves, Travis Darno went two for four. Dansby Swanson went three for four. They were the only Braves with multiple hits. Ronald Acuna with the only RBI for Atlanta. Before we wrap up, I want to mention one stat that I forgot. Charlie Morton has never thrown a pitch in a winner-take-all game while trailing. And one final note, with the exception of Game 6, every game in the ALCS had the tying run at the plate in the ninth inning. So the team that was trailing had a legitimate chance to tie the ball game every time. And of course, Game 5, the Astros and Rays were tied at 3 before Carlos Correa hit the walk-off homer. So that's it, and that's all for this edition of MLB Morning Coffee. It'll be a 5 p.m. start on the West Coast, 8 p.m. on the East Coast for the Braves and the Dodgers. It's going to be Ian Anderson for Atlanta. Los Angeles has not yet decided who they're going to start. I imagine it'll be Tony Gonsolin to start. Would not be surprised if you see Clayton Kershaw. Would not be surprised if you see Julio Urias. If you're going to pitch Kershaw, you might as well throw Urias out there, who's pitching on one more day of rest than Kershaw. But Urias is also younger, and the Dodgers are very careful in regards to how they handle him. But the Tampa Bay Rays are getting on a plane, and they are heading to Arlington, Texas, where the World Series will begin on Tuesday. 
They await the winner of the Braves and the Dodgers. Double the fun, double the Game 7s. It is a blast and a half, and I hope that you will tune off Sunday Night Football and turn on Game 7 of the NLCS. You can watch a 49ers and a Rams game another time. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy the baseball, and as always, Black Lives Matter.